Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I'm probably going to do a lot of preaching, teaching this morning. And, and I want to help us today to live right and get to heaven. How's that sound? How many want to live right? Put your hands down. How many want to go to heaven? Okay, put your hands down. For you to be able to raise your hand for the second one, you got to raise your hand on the first one. See, now that was a holiness preaching right there. That was holiness preaching. Took me about all of five seconds. First Thessalonians chapter four, the first eight verses. The Apostle Paul is the author. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Notice this. For this is the will of God. What's the will of God? Y'all say these two words with me. Your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do do not know God, that no one should take advantage of his brother and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord... to uncleanness but in holiness therefore he who rejects this this subject this understanding the will of God of being sanctified and holy does not reject man but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit praise God for the word amen amen you can be seated this morning so let me begin with a question and I'd like you to pay attention to this question and answer it what let's start with a how how should you live your life as a child of God born again this is a question you've got to answer how should you live your life another question would be what lifestyle would please the Lord everybody in here has a lifestyle we're all living we all have our routines and things that we do ways that we act what does God want from us as far as your daily activities your attitude what is God's will I have the answer and it's right here in the text God wants you to live a sanctified life. It's pretty clear, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now let me talk about that $12 word. Sanctification, that theological word, is primarily the work of God making you holy. It's God making you morally pure. Rooted within the idea of sanctification is the idea of 
separation. Are you getting that? Separation. When something is sanctified, it is separated from everything else. Let me give you an example. In my house, in our kitchen cabinets, we have pots and pans. Anybody else here? Right? Okay. Unless you eat out all the time. It's like, like the old joke the guy said to his wife. It's an anniversary. She said, where do you want me to take you? She said, well, take me someplace I haven't been in a long time. He said, how about the kitchen? Don't do that on your anniversary. Okay. But, but we have pots and pans, all right? In the Old Testament, there, there were pots and pans in the temple. And I'm sure all the other people in Israel had pots and pans in their houses. But the pots and pans in the temple were not like everybody else's pots and pans. They were holy. They were called holy vessels. They were sanctified. You didn't, get, you didn't go to the priest and say, uh, my, my big pot warped. Can I borrow one of y'all so I can cook a roast? They would say to you, no, you cannot, because this is no ordinary pot. This is a pot that has been dedicated to the Lord, and we don't use it for common purposes, for unholy, ungodly purposes. You're getting it, aren't you? It's deep within that idea of sanctification is the idea of separation. So, when God sanctifies you, he separates you, I mean, very, very fundamental today, from sin to himself. And there are two aspects of sanctification, because sanctification has been one of the most misunderstood concepts in the church for a long, long time. There are two aspects to sanctification, and I want you to get this today. So, Hope your, your brain's working, and then hopefully we're going to touch your soul and your spirit. But first of all, you are sanct- if you're saved, you are sanctified what we call positionally. Now, what does that mean? This, this means that your sanctification is, in a sense, an accomplished event. When God saved you, he separated you from sin, he washed you, he justified you, he freed you from the power of sin. Y'all want to shout a little bit? The power of sin is broken in your life. You don't have to give in to sin. Come on, somebody. You don't have to do what sin tells you to do anymore. That power is broken. How many are glad for that? God set you free. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And then, not only did he just free you to wander around, but he took you as his own. You are God's property. You belong to him. Glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are God's. Your whole being, body, soul, spirit, belongs to the Lord. So, when you talk about being sanctified positionally, and this is an accomplished event, listen to me. This is how God views you. God views you as someone set apart from sin unto himself. Have y'all got that? This is your state of being, your position relative to God. I'm set apart from sin unto God. I'm sanctified. Now, there's a part two. There's a second aspect, sanctification. And you are sanctified, what we'll say, progressively. Okay? This views sanctification not as an accomplished event alone, but also as an ongoing process. So it's not only a state of being, you're standing before God, but it is 
Sorry, my screen jumped on me. It is not only a state of being, you're standing before God. I like this. It is a state of living. Screen jumped at the wrong time. That was a good one-liner. Try that again. It is not just a state of being, it's a state of living. So daily, you are living who you are in the eyes of God. You're fleshing out how God sees you. I'm going to be separated from sin, and I'm going to live my life unto God. Are you with me? You're, you're living out who you are as God has made you and declared you and how he views you. Now you live it out, and you flesh it out daily. You deny sin, you obey God. So if positional sanctification, listen to me, is how God sees you, then progressive sanctification is how you view yourself. And I've seen a lot of Christians, air quotes, who haven't got the right view of themselves because they make excuses and do sin, commit sins and get involved in things and then they just justify it and they, they haven't really taken time to say, now wait a minute, now, now how does God see me? God sees me as no longer dealing with, away from, separated from, uh, belonging to him. I need to see myself that way, and if I view myself that way, then even though I've, we have this treasure in jars of clay, this stuff, right? You know, your worst enemy is not the devil or even the world. It's you, your flesh. I'll talk about that in a minute. So even though we have this, this it doesn't matter. I have been separated from sin unto God. I have to see myself that way, and thus I have to live a life that matches who I am in Christ. Through the years, I've used a simple formula to explain the Christian life. You've heard me say this, but let me just, it's very simple, but sometimes the simple is what's best. So it's three parts. If you're saved, one, you have been justified, past tense. This involves, includes positional sanctification. It's how God sees you. You with me? Okay. You, number two, you are being sanctified. That's progressive sanctification. This is present tense. One day you will be glorified. Future tense, which some theologians call perfected sanctification. So, when I got saved, positionally, God sanctified me. I was justified. But this whole, it's kind of like the dash on your tombstone between your birth date and your death date. That dash is your whole life. And in that, the, 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 the expanse of your dash, the dash of your life, the expanse of your life, the extent of your life, every day I am progressively, I like to say I'm being made more like Jesus and less like me. He must increase and I must decrease. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Little by little, day by day, God's working on me. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moons and the stars, but it's going to take my whole life for him to make me like Jesus. But one day, I will be glorified, and I'll experience the consummation of my salvation, and that which is perfect shall come. What 1 Corinthians 13 says. Okay. By the way, how many of you want to make it to heaven? Okay, so put your hands down. If you want to make it to heaven and experience glorification, 
you, I'm, let me say it again. I'm repeating myself, but in a different way. You must live a sanctified life. So I'm reiterating what the point I made a few minutes ago. Let me give you scripture. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue, chase after, go after. It's a process. Make progress. Progressive, see? Pursue peace with all people. Y'all try to get along with everybody. Try to get along with everybody. Okay? I know some people are harder than others. And some people feel hopeless. Just ignore them. Avoid them if you can. But as much as in you is, that's what the Bible says, live at peace with all men. So pursue peace with all men. But, it, but then it gives us something else. Well, I mean, don't skip this. And pursue holiness. Sanctification. It's the same Greek word. Listen, without which, no one will see the Lord. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor. Wait a minute. You mean I got to... Okay, so I can't write this sermon off. You really, you really mean it? Yes, when I preach, I really mean things. Always, you're going to have to pursue living right, living a life separated from sin unto God. You've got to flesh that out in a million ways every day if you want to make it to heaven. I, I, I made up a little saying that the road to heaven is paved with the stones of sanctification going to get there you have to live a sanctified life paul oh by the way and i want to preach this because we sometimes when you preach like this you can frustrate people and i don't like frustration i don't like frust- frustration because if you leave here today and you say okay i make i'm determined i'm i'm going to i'm going to have some determination pastor got me fired up i'm going to do i'm going to do better i'm going to do better okay Yes, you need to be determined. Yes, you, you've got to make choice. Yes, but if you're going to do this, try to do this on your own, you will fail miserably. Uh, trust me, we all know it. But thank God for verse 8 in the text. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God. And I think Paul was moved by the Holy Spirit to write this talking about living a sanctified life, who has given us his Holy Spirit. You have inside of you a Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. God lives inside of you, who is enabling you, empowering you, making you capable of making right choices, saying the right things, doing the right things. Thinking the right things, saying no to sin, saying yes to God. You know you can't do it on your own, but there is a power that is at work within you that you can do these things and do them every day and walk in victory. You can go, you can get up in the morning, get dressed, go to work, deal with your kids, deal with your neighbor, deal with a bad driver who cuts you off. You can deal with all the things... And go home, lay your head down, and go through the day and not commit sin. There are actually, there are actually branches of Christianity that think, ah, oh, we assume you're going to sin every day. Boy, that's, that's really exciting. That's a lot of victory, isn't it? Woo, go team. It's like a team, that's like pulling for a football team that averages 500 every year. 
That's exciting. Every day you don't know, well, what's it going to be today? I'll give in to something. Might as well give in a few more things while I'm at it. You can't. That's not, that's not, that's not being saved. Don't diminish the power of the, the only true God living inside of you. All there. You can, you can do it because he's there. And you should most days go through the day and get to the end of the day and say, as far as I know, I haven't had any Holy Ghost conviction. I think I did okay. Trust me, between Holy Ghost conviction and your wife, they'll let you know. All the ladies said, amen. Hey, Siri, I'm not talking to you. Go away. She said, okay. Technology. Paul lists a couple of areas where separation should be applied. Let's look at these, and then then I'm going to come to a close. He says, abstain from sexual immorality. And this is certainly a relevant and applicable command in our time, isn't it? Sexual immorality is rampant in American society, and unfortunately, far too much of it has crept into into the church, the general church. You know, for example, in our society, it has become very common that young people assume, and not just young people, but people assume that you, if you want to date somebody and you're getting serious and maybe considering getting married, then you should move in together and live together. And, and then, of course, I, will, I do not believe in being crude in a pulpit. I would never be crude, but I also need freedom to preach. But I know there, sometimes you all bring children in here, so you force me to really be careful. But we all know what, what that entails, what's involved with that if two people are living together in that fashion, activity, sexual immorality. And this is not God's plan. And just for all of you who are older, you might or might not be shocked at how many times as a shepherd I have had to talk to young adults who have come into this church and who are living together. And I had to be the one to tell them, oh, that's not right. And they would say, it's not? No. The Word of God says that you're not supposed to. We didn't know that. That's how far we've fallen. They don't even understand. That's not God's plan. See, let me just talk about it for a minute. Sex was created by God. And we know that everything God creates is good. However, it's just very fundamental preaching, but this is the times we live in. He intended it to occur between a husband and a wife in the context of, of a marriage. Let me, let me read to you Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. Okay? We all understand then what happens in the bed. We understand what the writer here is implying, and he's saying that for that three-letter word to be active, it it's, it's a good thing. It's not a defiled thing. It's a good thing when it happens in marriage. However, the scripture goes on to say, but fornicators who are sexually active, adulterers who are sexually active, of course, those two words revolve around sexual activity. It's the whole definition of them. God will 
judge. You can't get any clearer than that. So you, you don't move in together and sleep together. If you do that, you're a fornicator and you're a sinner. I don't care if you go to church. I don't care if you're a member of a church. And I don't care if your daddy's a deacon or the preacher. God, you are under the judgment of God because of the sin. Okay, what do we do? I'll tell you what you do. A single Christian man or woman who wants to live a sanctified life practices abstinence. Abstinence is a biblical word. Abstain from sexual immorality. Somebody said years ago, I think they wrote a book, True Love Wait. And I've had folks living together, and they wanted me to marry them. And I said, okay, but one of you is moving out if you want me to do the wedding. So figure out which one is it. Or else we're going to do it right now in the office. We'll marry you right here. And they've moved out. I've had them move out. Because I said, if you're going to do this, you're going to do, it, you're going to do the right thing. See, if somebody doesn't speak up, Let's just go ahead and say it. If God's people in the church doesn't speak up, nobody else is going to do it, y'all. The government sure is not going to do it. We've seen businesses, aren't they crumble in a heartbeat. Okay? Educational system, that's not their job. The church and God's people with love and compassion, yet with, with conviction, has got to say, thus says the word of God. So you save yourself for that special someone you want to spend the rest of your life with in marriage. That's being sanctified. Okay. The second area that Paul uses to illustrate sanctification is found within the phrase possess, possess your own vessel. And vessel is a metaphor for your body. So what he's basically saying is he's admonishing all of us to practice self-control. Practice self-control. Everybody has desires. If you don't have desires, chances are good you're not breathing. Everybody has desires. Some desires are good. Some desires are bad. And at times, every one of us, including preachers, Church leaders, all of us are tempted to fulfill a desire that is evil, that is wrong. And if you do that and give in to that temptation, then you commit sin. So Paul is saying to live the sanctified life, you have to exercise self-control. And by the power of God, say no to that passion, no to that desire, no to that temptation, and say, I will not do what you're wanting to do. Let me, let me say something to you this morning. I, I hope you'll grab a hold of this. So, yes, I am preaching teaching, but it's okay. You can live according to your passions or you can live according to your purpose. Grab a hold of that. You can live according to your passions or you can live according to your divine purpose. Your passions will get you in trouble. Your passions will make you cross a line that you're not supposed to cross. Your passions say to you, go ahead and do it now and then just deal with the consequences later. That won't lead to sanctification. Purpose will keep you focused 
on what is important to God. It creates values that you are not willing to compromise. Purpose says, I choose to do what God wants rather than what my body wants. I I refuse to sacrifice my purpose as a child of God. I'm not going to do it to satisfy the evil desires of my flesh. I won't permit myself to do something that's going to hinder my walk with God. So I'm closing with this. So musicians, come. I'm, I'm finishing with this. When I was a college student at USC Spartanburg, which is now USC Upstate, uh, I, I was, my major was a computer, was computer science. I was going to be a computer science major. It was the mid, early to mid eighties. That's when the computers were just starting to take off. And I wanted to be a programmer and be on the cutting edge of that. And that was a field where you could make a lot of money. And so that was my goal. That was my plan. I had no intentions of going into the ministry. That wasn't, that wasn't even remotely a thought. Year and a half, I went to USC Spartanburg was there going through it, clipping along, and God turned my world upside down through a series of events. And three things happened to me. While I was there, God called me to leave that school and go to a Bible college and study the Bible. I remember when I sat down with my father and said, Dad, I'm dropping out of school. He said, okay. And there were some other factors there. My grandmother had died. I was living with him at the time. There were some just major things that had happened in my life. And I was burning the candle at both ends, working at UPS, going to, driving 30 minutes to school and back, trying to study in the afternoon, going to work, getting back in 11 o'clock at night in the evening shift at UPS. It was just, I was killing myself. I said, Dad, I feel like God's called me to study the Bible. It was this insatiable hunger. I, it was supernatural. I look back now, I realize it was supernatural, and I'm not going to take the time to tell you everything. I remember my dad looked at me and said, okay. And I said, I want to go to East Coast Bible College. He said, okay. He said, what are you going to do with it? I said, I don't know. And I, and I knew what dad was asking. I said, I don't know, dad. I don't understand this, but, but, but I got to go. He said, okay, then you go. So I applied, accepted. And I became a student at East Coast Bible College and started studying the Bible. I got all my general requirements essentially done at USC Spartanburg so now I'm just in I'm just taking theology classes and I was I was like a dog on a bone y'all I mean man I was having the time of my life because God had called me to this the next semester God called me to preach and I preached my first sermon Martinsville Virginia and by the time I graduated God called me to full time ministry now did you hear the three words I use he called me he called me and he called me I would have never chosen those things for myself. I had other plans. But once I heard that call from God, I had a decision to make. I could either ignore those calls and try to go on and do my thing, or I could answer the call and pursue it. And so I did. And what has happened, what happened then and 35 years later, is that the call of full-time ministry came to define my purpose in life and I remember talking to dad when I was wrestling with this concept of being called into the ministry full time and I have had this conversation with 
numerous young adults now through my life, and including one of them was my youngest son, Evan. It was deja vu when he came to me and asked me the same question. And I said, I asked my, your grandfather the same thing. I said, Dad, how do you know you're called into full-time ministry? And Dad wisely looked at me and said, can you do anything else? I said, well, Dad, I can do anything I put my mind to. He said, nope, you're not hearing me. Can you do anything else? I said, Dad, you know, I'm a pretty smart guy. If I, I, I can learn. I'm a quick learner. He said, nope, son, listen to me. Can you do anything else and be happy? Can you do anything else and be fulfilled? Or is this the only thing you can do? And that's when it hit me. And I said, Dad, I don't, I got to do this. I mean, like, if I don't do this, I, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not going to be happy. This, it's like, this is what I've got. He said, then, son, you're called. Because if you can do anything else, go do it. You're not called. But he said, if you've got to do this, and you're not going to be happy working in some corporate, corporate office or having your own business, but you're going to be miserable because you have a call on your life, you'll never be happy until you're fulfilling that call. He said, that's how you know you're called. I realized it was my calling. I realized it was my destiny. I realized it was my purpose in life. Now, the reason I tell you that little snippet of my own story is because I'm going to take you back to verse 7. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but he called us in holiness. So sanctification, brothers and sisters, my church family, is your calling from God it's your destiny it's your purpose it's your purpose as one who has been saved if you try to do anything else if you try to live in sin if you try to hang on to the world and hang on to God keep one foot here and one foot here if you try to vacillate back and forth If you try to serve God 99%, but you hold on to just one area, one area, that 1%, you just don't fulfill the call, you will be miserable. Miserable. Most miserable people, the people that are trying, telling themselves, I'm living for the Lord, I'm right for the Lord, but you're over here doing things that that are not holy, that are sinful. It is your calling. God didn't save you to wallow in the mud of sin. He didn't save you to dabble in one or two sins. He saved you to walk in righteousness. He saved you from your sins to live and enjoy perpetual fellowship with Him. So here is my challenge to the church. Answer His call. Every day of your life, Wake up and say, today I'm going to live my destiny by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you'll get it wrong. You will. I do. And I'm your leader. But that's why God has given us this incredible grace that I'm so thankful for. Where if we'll confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 And then you learn from it and get up and say, God, by the power of the Holy Ghost, help me not to do that again. Preacher, what if I do? Then get on your knees and ask Him for forgiveness, confess it again, and then beg Him again. 
until you walk in victory. Sometimes there's a battle in the sanctification. But the the thing is, we're promised victory. Fulfill your call. Do what He wants. Talk in a way that pleases Him and brings Him glory. Crucify your flesh. Learn how to walk and live in the Spirit in a way that pleases the Spirit of God. I want you to stand with me. And I want to ask everybody in this building, nobody leave. Please, nobody leave. Everybody join me in the altars. Quickly, as quickly as you can. Just as quickly as you can, come to the altars. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.